All right, welcome into West of Everest. It is Monday evening. So a couple of days have passed by since OU escaped Lawrence with a 35-23 victory. And we weren't able to do the podcast immediately after the game or at least yesterday on Sunday due to travel issues and, and whatnot. So here we are. By the way, I am Lee Benson. And introducing for this episode a man who is probably as deflated as a lot of Oklahoma fan bases right now. Grant Benson, how's it going? Well, it's going. Um, uh, definitely the most deflating win uh, in the history of my fandom at OU. And it's, I don't even think it's close. I, I don't, it's not even remotely close. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I'm absolutely with you. And if you say that, you've paid more attention to OU throughout your life for longer stretches of time than I have. And it certainly is for me, so that says quite a bit. And so what's this? What's going to happen today is I don't have a rundown and all these different things to hit on like we do normally because we've had a lot of stuff going on the last couple of days. So I know we do this from time to time, but we're treating this as, hey, the game just ended. Let's talk about it. But the benefit of this is, though, I've been able to rewatch the game. I took a bunch of notes because I was there in Lawrence field level watching everything through a camera lens and there's only so much I can get out of that and so watching the rewatch or watch watching the game back boy I, it's 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 alarming there's a lot of alarming alarming things and so let's begin with this Grant when I say hey oh you just beat Kansas 35-23 trailed 10 nothing at halftime and we're legitimately in danger of losing a game to Kansas what is the first thing that you want to talk about? What jumps to, to your mind? Well, you know, I mean, we can go over as many superlatives as you want in this game. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm going to – I think I think the main reason that everyone in the fan base just kind of feels like crap – and, of course, the, the fact that it was Kansas has a big deal to do with it. But I think by far the most deflating aspect of this is just sort of the shocking and maybe not sudden but really quick realization – that this defense has not made any progress from 2017 and 2018. If you take if if you take Saturday, you know, at its and also the last three games, if we're being honest, um, and that is a punch in the nads. It really is. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a uh, they're back at square one. This is uh, that Kansas team. That Kansas team is dreadful. Is absolutely dreadful. And go back and rewatch that game, and we were just talking about this right before we started recording. Kansas didn't have a have, didn't have trouble on a single drive in that game. Not one. They were they knew exactly how to attack OU, and they were able to do it fairly easily. How that is so alarming. Well, if I want to be uh, annoying, I could say, well, technically one drive they did punt, and I think it might have been a three and out. So that that one drive, I think they got a three and out on that one. But the point stands. Sorry for being a stickler for that. Yes, even on uh, the, the drive where they got a turnover, where Key Lawrence made a great play. Great play by Key Lawrence, punching the ball loose. Even on that drive, Kansas was moving the ball just fine. <laughs> no oh, problem yeah, they were still getting gashed. Until that play. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's, that's it. I mean, the, the defense ever since the West Virginia game, that's when Oklahoma was able to get out of there, escape, and everything was about the offense. The offense could not move the ball. What is going on here? The defense allowed them to beat West Virginia, only held them to, you know, held them to only 13 points. But since that game, it's been, it's been bad, with the exception of the second half against Texas. And 
it's man, I you know, I hadn't even thought of it the way that you put it a second ago. Thinking back to 2017 and 2018. And you're right. I mean, after this Kansas game, and you you think about the last few games before that, uh, they really have not taken any steps. They're kind of back to where they were. And it's even more discouraging because 2019, it was a lot better than it was in 2018. And it was a lot better than it was in 2017 a lot of the time. And last season, in a weird COVID year, we saw improvements. The defense was looking really good the latter half of the year, even more of that, with the exception of, you know, my memory's not great right now. There may be a couple of instances maybe late in the year that I'm not thinking of but where the defense was kind of shoddy. But for the most part, the defense was really good, and there was a reason why going into this season. <laughs> we were all super excited about this opportunity for this Oklahoma team because of all the guys coming back on offense, all the guys coming back on defense. And it, was, it seemed like it was finally going to all – match up together with a really good offense and we thought a really good defense if not at worst a slightly above average defense national standard which is what we've been wanting at Oklahoma to pair with a great elite offense and all of a sudden the offense save for the first half against Kansas that was a weird thing I'm not gonna I'm not gonna panic at all about the offense it it righted the ship. It was good. It was offense fine. is gonna be With fine. the exception of offense is gonna be fine. Yeah, the offense. I'm not be worried fine. about it. Uh, like running the ball, I would have liked Oklahoma to run the ball a little bit better against Kansas. I'll, that's that's my one critique. But for the most part, the offense is fine. The defense is bad. It is really really bad, Grant. And I'm not breaking any news, but the first quarter of my rewatch, I was going through and I was just stunned. And I was texting you this. In the first quarter, when Kansas scored 10 points on their, you know, they scored a touchdown and a field goal. By the way, Oklahoma was lucky to not give up two touchdowns because on the touchdown run that was called back, it was a pretty ticky-tack holding call that had nothing to do with the play. And it's crazy they even saw that. It should have probably – OU was lucky to get out of there 10-0 instead of 14-0. But on those two drives where Kansas chewed up a ton of clock, they were running essentially two plays. They were running zone read – with a backside tight end pull, and it was either give off to the running back inside or have Bean, the quarterback, keep it. And then when they needed to, it was throw to Kwame Lasseter for a first down wide open. That was it. Little five-yard, six-yard curl. That's all they did. And Oklahoma could not stop it. They could not figure out how to keep contain and keep the edge on the zone replay. And Bean just kept reading it. And the edge players kept crashing down and leaving the hole outside the edge wide open for him to keep it and run for yardage. And when he didn't see it there, he would just hand it off, and the running back would get a couple of yards there to keep the drive going. And when they needed to get a first down on third down, it was super easy to just throw the ball to Lassiter. And Oklahoma could not figure out what Kansas was doing. When everybody that's ever watched any sort of football knew what they were doing, and it's Kansas. Knew exactly what they were doing. They're not going to try to do anything super crazy. They didn't all day, with the exception of the two-point play <laughs> later in the game where they tried to run Philly special, which in hindsight, obviously it didn't work. In hindsight's 2020. They should have just ran what they've been running all day, not try to get cute. The first quarter, the fact that they could not figure out that zone read and could not adjust to it, Kansas ran it probably about seven or eight times. It worked every single time. After the first quarter, though, I did see for some reason and the rest of the game, Kansas kind of went away from that. 
And Oklahoma did try to adjust to it. But the way they adjusted to it was, I saw sometimes they would use Justin Burroughs as a nickel to come in as the edge player, to scrape over and be aggressive and come down to try to, to prevent Bean from getting outside, the, getting outside and, and pulling it and make him give it inside. And other times they would use the linebacker. Which told me that the edge defender, whether it's a defensive end or whether it's Nick Benito outside or Reggie Grimes, whoever's playing there as that jack linebacker, the rush linebacker, it seems like in this defense, that player's job is not necessarily to just set the edge and play contain. That's what it looked like in that game to me. And I guess I'm not an expert, but in my experiences, that's kind of like your job as a defensive edge in player especially when a team is running a bunch of zone read. And that doesn't seem like that's the job of them. Like, they were always crashing down, always crashing down. In that first quarter, they never adjusted to it. They never did. And they kind of did later on, but weirdly, Kansas went away from it. So I would have liked to see what Kansas would have done offensively if they would have kept hammering that backside tight end pole zone read, which, again, they went away from it. But even when Oklahoma started kind of defending that a little bit better, being the quarterback had everything he wanted through the air. Every first read he had was wide open. He had no issues. And that is stunning, Grant. It's stunning. And I know that Woody Washington is out. I know that DJ Graham didn't play. But these are blue chip guys in the secondary. Does not matter. This is a team that gets freaking smoked by everyone. Everyone who is an FBS team. There is not, like, I mean, it is, it doesn't, and, like I don't know, I'm gonna try to put this in words and how, but I've I have completely lost every shred of confidence in Alex Grinch and what he's doing. It's all gone, all of it. And I mean that's why uh. that's why this sucks so much because it's it and it's clear it's clear that he doesn't have any answers that he doesn't he doesn't know what to do at this point in time. Um, and that's it's just it's just such a clear 180 from where we were. Um, and I figure it out, figure it out. I'm sorry. It's, this isn't that hard. It's not, not against Kansas. It's not, it's not that hard period. And I don't want to hear about, uh, they were disinterested. They just kind of showed up. It's that's Kansas its own motivation. problem. It's its own problem. If you're not pumped up as a college football player, you get a, a finite number of those games in your life and you're not pumped up to go in and put a 60, a 60 spot on Kansas. And what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I don't know. And uh, how about this? Other Big 12 teams this season that Kansas has played. Kansas has played Baylor, Iowa State, and Texas Tech so far this season before Oklahoma. Look at the points that these teams have allowed to Kansas, that Kansas was able to score. Baylor, Kansas scored a touchdown. Baylor won the game 45-7. to It's Kansas for everybody. Was, was Baylor not excited to play Kansas? Did they just show up and not care? Even if they did, didn't matter. They beat the crap out of Kansas. Beat them 45-7. to By the way, Kansas scored their touchdown in the second quarter of that game and then was shut out in the second half. So even after Baylor had a gigantic lead in that game, they still were able to keep Kansas off the scoreboard after halftime. Next one, Iowa State at Iowa State on October 2nd. We talked about that a little bit last podcast. Iowa State won the game 59-7, to and it was 38 to nothing at halftime. Kansas scored their lone touchdown in the third quarter, I believe. But Iowa State... They had national championship-type aspirations, at, at worst, Big 12 championship aspirations. It, they went into uh, – they went – you know, they got Kansas at home. Kansas – Iowa State would have every reason just to be like, ah, oh, this sucks, it's Kansas, who cares? And even if they did do that or didn't do that, 
they beat Kansas 59-7. to It was easy. They beat the crap out of them. And then last week, before they played Oklahoma, in Lawrence against Texas Tech, Texas Tech was up 41 to nothing with one minute to go in the fourth quarter. Texas Tech just fired their coach. Kansas ended up losing 41 to 14. They had two random garbage time touchdowns in the last minute of the game. Texas Tech showed up and beat Kansas in Lawrence 41 to 14 and was up 41 to nothing. And you're telling me that even if Oklahoma didn't care, even if they're just like whatever, they can't just show up and get off the bus and blow Kansas out? You could go down the entire top 25, I bet. And 24 of those 25 teams would get off the bus and beat the crap out of Kansas. With their backups. I guarantee you. With their freaking backups. And so this is a gigantic red flag that I, I'll i give you the the human aspect of it where it's it's kind of like a spring game and everybody knows it. And it's Kansas. I'll give that to you. You still should be able to show up and, and beat them on talent alone. I, they did that last year. They beat them 61-9 to nine. In, in in Norman uh, at that time you know Oklahoma wasn't undefeated they already, already lost two games they had nothing to lose and they were just having fun out there maybe that's a difference but at the same time how many times are we going to get through an Oklahoma season where you know they they have a letdown last year early in the season they lose to Kansas State and then lose to a good Iowa State team a couple this of years totally ago 2019 this is a com- Kansas State this is a completely different level of letdown I don't think people Which is realize why it's so ridiculous that it happened because they've had the previous letdowns and issues and they haven't obviously learned from any of them. They almost just lost to a mid-level FCS team. Kansas beat South Dakota 17 to 14 and needed a last second one. touchdown drive to do it. South Dakota gave up fewer points to Kansas than Oklahoma did. South Dakota an FCS team who I guess they're having a pretty decent year but who cares? Uh, it, so I, I, it's a, it's, it's a deflating game for a lot of reasons, and it's like it sucks because as a fan, the only thing that you can that you can sit there and hope is that it was a fluke of some sort, and they'll come back and they'll play really well next week, which they might, who knows? But like, also, I, we're tired of this crap. It's, just, it's, it's clearly a trend. Like this whole, like, it, you know, I mean, you heard a lot of the same things after the Tulane game this year, which is like, oh, the atmosphere was weird and it was hard to get up, and it's just like those are terrible excuses. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a reflection on the coaching staff and that's a, and it feels so odd just railing on a coaching staff of a team that's eight. No. And Lincoln, I mean, Lincoln Riley is 54 and eight in his career at OU. But what is up with, what is up with this? What, what the hell was that? Like, I, I mean, that's one of those things where it's just, I, who knows what's going on in that locker room, what's going on behind those doors. But I, I, there's no way that people in that locker room are okay with that right okay with that game but maybe but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that maybe they are this is a tough one for me just because you know, i gotta deal with the coaches and the players and, and things like that so it's it, there's there is a lot of evidence of it, it just it's kind of the way it is and after the game you and i think the sooner scoop guys talked about this a little bit you know you're not going to get the fire and brimstone from lincoln riley you're not going to get the and even from the guys they brought out Kennedy Brooks, Jeremiah Hall, and Isaiah Thomas. And Jeremiah Hall was was the best of the three, in my opinion. He he was very curt and short. He was asked why, you know, the slow start, why were the, and he, he said simply there's no excuses. And as a captain, I've got to address that, and I'm going to address that this week. Okay? Okay. Fine. But what does that mean? Uh, I, I guess we, we won't know until we see them later on. Uh, 
but the, the the issue is, man, I there's so many issues. Uh, I guess I, mean, I just don't. I, I I'm upset. Remember remember when Mike Stoops was still the DC, and and in you know the second part of Ruth and McNeil too, where we were just like, you guys are bad anyway. Just play with your hair on fire, shrink space, do whatever you have to do, which is exactly why Alex Grinch was hired. So why on earth does it look like a Mike Stoops defense out there with all of the space they're giving up? They're not aggressive. Well, that was they don't that do was anything new aggressive. For the Kansas game that was new for the Kansas game, was it not? And that's what's so interesting is remember we talked about last week. I think we played the sound, or maybe I just talked about it from Alex Grinch last podcast. And he was talking about, hey, you know, as a coach, you ask yourself, what do I do to put these guys in better positions to succeed? It's like, do I do I play? You know, do, do we play more zone? Do we play more man concepts? Do we play? Uh, do we do we give the guys more space to work with? Do we we shrink the space. And you watch that game, and it looked like a a concerted effort this week to give the secondary more space, sorry. as in more. It's two thousand and twenty-one. If you are saying that you need to give them more space to operate, what the hell are you talking about? It's two thousand and twenty-one. Space is the killer in football. You have to shrink it as much as you possibly can. And that's what has d- been done a lot. That's kind of been his. I mean, Oklahoma has done a, a lot of that. Uh, for the most part, and that's why it was so interesting to see that against Kansas, they all of a sudden they're giving all this cushion, and it's the, the, the question, about the, 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 burned by Kansas, I guess. It's that's moronic. what it looks like. The idea, I guess, is okay if I give these guys more space, they'll be more comfortable and they'll be able to make breaks on the ball better and they'll be able to react, react better. We didn't see that though against Kansas. We saw guys that were. Back in their backpedal, giving space, and then giving up eight-yard curl routes because they gave up way too much space and they weren't anticipating curl routes. We saw uh, Latrell McCutcheon in, in the second half on that drive where Kansas State was down by two scores and went down and easily scored. Latrell McCutcheon was, was on an island by himself in cover one, and the guy just ran a 12-yard in. It was Lassiter, and it was the easiest play ever. He was wide open, and McCutcheon didn't do anything to stop him, and he picked up 30 yards. It, uh, I, I saw Justin Broyles a couple of times. Looked like he was lost. He, he changed his hips or flipped his hips the wrong way. Like the guy was going to run a fade, even though he hadn't committed to anything, and the guy was like, okay, I'm going to run a slant here, dude. And Broyles got turned around, and the guy picked up 11 yards. And this guy's been in the program for five years. They're playing an alarming amount of cover one, which means that there's one safety back there, and then they're playing man across the board a lot of the times with a lot of defensive backs that have no feel right now and have zero confidence in how to play man coverage. And it's just the easiest thing for any quarterback. And if a Kansas quarterback is seeing that and picking it apart, what is a non-Kansas quarterback going to do? Well, it's, they're going to do what we saw Casey Thompson do for one half. They're going to do what we saw Skylar Thompson do. And they're going to do what we saw... Max Duggan do, except there's actually going to be teams there with a little better defenses in the future that are going to maybe make it even more difficult on you. And yeah, I'll uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let you react if you have anything to, to say about that. I'll let you react. But okay, uh, I, I I do want to say though because you mentioned like five ten minutes ago, hey, they could bounce back, they could play better, and you're right. And th- this team weirdly does play up and down to competition. I do expect them to come back, come back and play better against Texas Tech. I don't know what that necessarily means defensively because I, I'm like you. I have no confidence right now that they're going to be able to figure anything out. But I do kind of feel like they're going to play better, but I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means they're going to 
are they going to give up 21 points to Texas Tech or 45 points to Texas Tech? Oh, man, they give point? up. I don't know. They give up 21 to Texas Tech. Start printing freaking national championship jerseys. Like, geez, man. Like, I, I, will, be, I will be stunned if they, if, if, if they hold Texas Tech under 500 yards. Like, I will be absolutely gobsmacked if that's the case. There are, Texas Tech's offense is RPOs. That's all they run. They are just going to RPO OU to death. Um, well, can there, uh, is Columbia still playing quarterback for him? Yeah, he yes, can run a little is. bit. They still they have another they guy, have, too, they've been using a lot. Yeah, and they have Uzakama, and they also have Siradric Thompson. Like, I mean, they have, they have weapons. Like, I mean, this is... I, I mean, it's just like one of those things where it's just like, man, you hope you hope DJ Graham and Jalen Redmond are back at least. I mean, I know you know DJ. I don't think was there, but at least Redmond was dressed out and warmed up. But like, holy crap, man! Even if those guys are back, it doesn't matter what they're going to play fifty percent of the snaps max. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up. So yeah, I didn't see DJ Graham out there. I don't think he made the trip. Uh, Jalen Redmond did suit up. He was in full uniform. I don't think he. I don't think he played a snap though. He, he didn't play that I saw on the rewatch. And Delarian Turner Yell was out there as well, going through warmups. They were both fully dressed, but and I've seen uh, other people bring this up play. too. It's like great, you know, when DTY comes back, awesome. Now you're going to take off the guy who's been the best defensive back since he's been hurt, Key Lawrence. Now he'll be they'll be off the he'll be off the field. So great. They're in a great. There's a great, just a great spot right now. And they, just, they don't have any. Their DBs suck, which which is really disappointing <laughs> for how for you know for like all of the ink and all of the you know everything that was that was that was spilled about them and talked about them. And um, but honestly though, just watching them, they're being put in crappy positions. They're taught terrible technique. They don't they don't know like they they have they have awful situational awareness. It's just not like third and five. There was a third and five on the very first, um, very first drive of the game. Third and five. I think it was near midfield, or it was on OU's end, or whatever. And then snap at the ball instant. I, th- I think Billy Bowman was five or six yards off the receiver. Snap of the ball instantly. He just he he just bails, bails about ten yards down the field. And Kwame Lasseter just runs three yards, stops, and they throw him the ball, and he gets the first down easily. Like I'm sorry, man. That's just not that complicated. I can complete that pass. Was that was that the very first third down of the game? Or is that I think one? it was the I, second. I know what you're talking. It was the second third down. Yeah. So I remember I I made notes of that, and that was one of those. I'm just yeah. I, okay. All all they all the all an opposing quarterback has to do right now on third and medium or third and short is identify the corner that's going to bail into cover three. Boom and profit first down easily every time. And it's 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 all it's it's got to be as simple as talking to the receivers during the week and like hey hey listen like. Just like you see the guy bail, we need five yards. Just turn around, curl. I'll hit you. Boom. Let's Easy. motion some guys. Let's motion some guys around. Oh, I can see that the safety is in man coverage on third and six. Easy curl route in the middle of the field that they won't be able to get to. Easy first down. Every single freaking time. Adjust. It's not that hard. It is against Kansas. It's not that hard at all. There is just I. I I'm out of words for it. I mean, rewatching. I didn't. I didn't want to do this podcast. I don't want to rewatch that freaking game. It was frustrating. For anyone who likes football, that game was frustrating. <laughs> it is uh it I'm kind of I'm kind of over trying to figure out what Oklahoma is doing. It it's so confusing on the back end. Well, they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. 
and that's Alex the thing. Grinch has no clue right now. He's got no clue right now. I, I don't know what has happened, but he has. If it's just this crop of dudes in the secondary that he just he just can't get through to, and they just don't. But man, that sounds really familiar from from two and a half to three years ago, and that is so disappointing. How quickly this thing just fell apart with what with, with what is supposed to be one of the best defensive lines, and we haven't even gotten to them yet. They were awful. The defensive line was awful on Saturday. Just undisciplined, not beating blocks. Just guard. It's like I, I don't understand. I mean, you got you got a defense that just that I mean, just subs so much. They sub so much. And I'm thinking to myself, why? You guys suck. You haven't earned that. It's ridiculous. Like I just in that in that locker room, just have a little self awareness. Yeah, I it, there's been so many games now and Boy, if if a game like that doesn't doesn't wake you up, without you know, it, and it's it's, it's so interesting. And I've been saying this the last couple of days is I mean Oklahoma's eight no, but it sure doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it at all. And you know you can Lincoln Riley can talk about how you know hey it's on the road and even you know, no matter who you're playing even you know when you're down it's tough to get back up and and make those runs like that. It's like okay that's that's coach speak. You're gonna say that because you're gonna say that uh, for you guys in your locker room. I. I hope you don't believe that because you should never been down in the first place. It just, it, it seems, it just doesn't seem like, and I'm basing it off of one post-game interview process, but it, it didn't seem like it, it bothered, you know, it certainly didn't bother those guys as much as maybe it bothers everybody else. And, you know, they're the ones that play, they got the win, they got out of there with a W and they're college kids and okay, yeah, that's, that's it. But Man, the, the tone after the game, I mean, Alex Grinch always, he's always, like, it looks like somebody just snuffed out his dog or something, because he, no matter what, he's always kind of the one that's looking down, so that was expected, but the other guys are just kind of like, yeah, they, they were disappointed, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I, I, I guess, I'm just thinking of, put, yeah, put I mean, my fan young. cap on. They're young, I mean, the o- they're young, they're young, yeah. they don't get, the OU fan base is, has watched 10 straight seasons of crappy defense. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'm tired like, of it. Like, like I'm putting, sick of it. Put my fan cap on. I suppose you know what what I would have liked to hear. You know, is somebody be like, yeah, I, I, you know, that was I'm disgusted by that play. But then again, maybe when you do you do that, you you make the risk of sounding like you're disrespecting your opponent because you don't want, even though it's Kansas, like you don't really want to as a player, you don't want to disrespect your opponent, even though it's Kansas. So maybe they're kind of in a bind there. I I don't know, but. Um, it's it's an eight and no team the first time in 17 years yet the excitement level around the fan base is just kind of not there because all we are are waiting for the left foot to drop and then the right foot to drop because this team as much as they've finished games and they've got out with wins which is the most important thing don't get me wrong they're still undefeated and everything's still in front of them just why can't why can't they just do to Kansas what everybody else with a pulse does to Kansas? Why? And then that makes you then think to the future. Because if they can't do that to Kansas, then how are they going to fare against teams that actually want to beat or that actually can beat them? And heck, Kansas could have beat them on Saturday. And that's all it is. I mean, that, that's all it hey, is. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe some positivity. Maybe all of this this terrible defense on film, maybe it'll start to get offenses to like to to disregard OU's defense and they can surprise people a little bit. 
I don't know, just like grasping for anything. Yeah, so I, I picked on uh, McCutcheon. I, I picked on McCutcheon earlier. Also, Joshua Eaton, very similar as well. He got beat in the same situation where he was basically one on one. T Lawrence was the only defensive back that was not terrible on Saturday, and uh, he even had some pretty bad plays too. Well, here's the thing: Pat Fields is not terrible, but he's weirdly just never really around the ball or around any play. And I, I don't know if that's because it seems like his job is always consistently just to be an alley player. Like he's always just coming down and, and helping against the run. And it's almost like there's always just, he's not even playing safety anymore. He's just playing like an extra linebacker role. Maybe that was just against Kansas, but they're it's also a DTY what, thing. I'm sure that's a DTY thing. I'm sure that's what, that's what maybe, DTY yeah. would typically do. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought he didn't really do anything, like not in a bad way, but just like I don't remember ever thinking like, oh, Pat Fields was, should have been there or not, with the exception of that the last, you know, the, the last touchdown drive for Kansas where they went down easily. Five plays, 75 yards. They got plays of 28 yards, 11 yards, 3 yards, 19 yards, and 14 yards, and it was super easy. On that particular drive, it, it looked like Oklahoma was playing you know, a, some sort of cover three or like some sort of, uh, like zone coverage except for Pat Fields like he was kind of being a rover which in a way it 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 didn't help <laughs> like he, he was going to the wrong spot like it wasn't if that was his job fine but like it wasn't helping at all and there was just guys wide open across the field and like I, that was a game where it's just like you're playing Kansas like I mean I know this is I'm sure there's a lot of football guys who'd be like oh this is stupid but dude just play press cover two man the entire game you're playing Kansas Press cover two, man. Make sure your edge defenders defend the edge. The entire game. And make sure your linebackers can stop the run. And yeah, I, good teams, like a, a good defense, should be able to have no problem with that. And clearly, other Big 12 teams, I mean, Baylor and Te Iowa State have really good defenses, but Texas Tech doesn't have a good defense. Texas Tech clearly had no problem with Kansas. But why did Oklahoma? <laughs> I mean, the, the one team in the conference that's been a national powerhouse that has a, you know, can win a national championship and everything is the right way and actually has like a, a, a big big league type offense and has all the best recruits in the conference. That's the team that can't stop Kansas. I it just I mean like hopefully there's just tons of embarrassment throughout the coaching staff. Uh I mean the, with the players as well, but again, they're college kids, their perspective on life isn't quite the same as the coaches are. Um, it's just, that's the main thing to me, man, is that these three other big 12 teams have had no problem with Kansas, nothing. It's Kansas and Oklahoma did and almost freaking lost to him. Like legitimately almost lost to Kansas. So that, that's the main thing for me. <laughs> I can't, I can't get past it. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to even put more into words. I just like, I, um, I, I don't know what else to do. Uh, I mean, other than like, I, 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 you know, you see these things like, yeah, you hope that DJ Graham and DTY and Jalen Redmond come back. Like, that will, that'll help. Like, Jalen Redmond, I think, is going to help the most out of all of those because he's a dynamic type of guy. Um, but, like, but, but yeah, even then, it's just like, I mean, I don't, you still know that you're not going to get a lot of snaps out of the guy. And just because that's how they're so, and like, th this is where I'm, I, I'm so deflated, where it's like you have a defensive staff and you listen to Grinch and all of them. They're so dedicated to this philosophy that they've created. And they're, they're, it's to the point where they're going to be rigid on it. They're not going to change. You, you, like, they're not going to go away from the ultra, ultra substitutions. 
Um, they're, they're just not going to. Well, it's it's too. Um, they need it's to. Too late. They need it's to. Too late in the season for a full, full like schematic and just like cultural change, though, right? I mean, you can't do it this late in the year. You can do it during the bye week. I mean, it, it's just not. It's not in Alex Grinch's DNA. It's well. I mean, I think it doesn't need to be like a. It doesn't need to be a massive schematic change. It needs to be a keep contain and be sticky on your receivers. Oh, yeah. But I mean, and don't bail out and give a ton of space. If they can't do that right now, what what makes you think they're going to be able to figure it out as the season goes on? That's the thing. It's it's almost like they're so bad at man coverage right now, and they're so scared to get beat. It's almost like is are they just getting beaten like a drum so much in practice by Oklahoma's offense all the time? That it's just scarring them in these games, and they're just their confidence is terrible. And then it, it happens in these games against these bad teams, and it just it keeps piling on, piling on. And I think the biggest thing I, I don't know about. I mean, I think that the technique and everything like it seems like it has has improved since Roy Manning has been here. Like there hasn't been as many penalties. Like it was good in 2019 for the most part. It was good in 2020. I, I guess maybe it was just Woody Washington's a good player, and DJ Graham's a good player, and Trey Norwood's a good player. And I got after watching what we've seen this season, I got to give more credit to Trey Brown than I was giving him before because Trey Brown was clearly a better player than I was giving him credit for. Maybe that's what it was. And now they're trying to develop their own guys. And for whatever reason, these the the ability to cover is not there. And the situational awareness, the football IQ of what the opposing team is trying to do to you. And that comes from watching tape and also what's going on in the game seems to be awful. Like these guys have never watched a football game in their lives, and then they're showing up and playing a football game. It it, it screams to me as a team right now that boy, they need to just play some base cover two and cover three in the secondary, and just like here's how you do it, guys. You have a zone, and look at the formation, and don't be a moron. And yet. They, one, don't really know how to play zone defense. They don't play a lot of zone defense. But they can't play man right now. They can't. They're so bad at it. And they play so much cover one. And it just it gives no, no help for these corners on the outside. And they're not very good at it. And when they're playing all this cover one, it seems like the one safety that's his job is to help out, you know, going deep or just kind of being in a good position to help out wherever the ball is going it seems like the one safety is very rarely ever even in a position to help anyways it's always he's kind of just out of the play until if the ball is completed and it's down the field and he's running to make a tackle so I don't have an answer I don't think Alex Grinch has an answer right now because he has his thing and the guys aren't doing their job apparently a lot of the time and they're not making plays it, I'm at a loss, man, and, and it's 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 almost it's more frustrating than it was three years ago, four years ago, because at that point it was just I don't know if these players are any good, the system is bad, they can't get any push, get like the the game is kind of maybe past Mike Stoops by, like I these guys are committing a lot of penalties in the secondary, they're not they they're just not very good, and just like at a drop of a hat. Uh, Basically, about a three- to four-week stretch, all of a sudden, the defense is terrible. And the defensive like – you mentioned, like, the substitution thing. Who cares if they substitute a lot or not? Like, even the starters they have in there aren't really doing a whole lot. Perrion Winfrey's not doing a lot. He's getting double-teamed a lot. He's getting double-teamed a lot, which should open up 
penetration lanes and space for other guys, but it's not really working. It's almost like they're being too aggressive and they're overrunning stuff in the backfield. And they're taking themselves yeah. out of the play. Isaiah Thomas can't can't tackle. Nick Benito can't finish. Um, I, Brian Osamoa overruns about uh, every other play and also gets dragged past the line of scrimmage a lot of the time. Uh, Deshaun White's just not very athletic. Um, trying to think of other things. Shane Witter gets lost a ton. Danny Stutzman is clearly the best linebacker on the team, but he was the but he was the reason why Kansas scored that last touchdown on that last drive because he didn't get deep enough in his zone. I no, I don't I, know. I mean, okay. I, that that last dude, touchdown, I don't know. that last drive, that I don't know what they were doing there. I, it's like they were trying to play some sort of cover two, but Justin Broyles was like in the slot. Like it looked like they were playing man, but then all of a sudden you see Justin Broyles bailing to play like a deep cover two, and he's bailing away from where the receiver is going and there's a middle of the field and so even if Danny Stutzman would have if it was cover two and Stutzman would have gotten deep like a linebacker is supposed to wouldn't have mattered he wouldn't ever got there anyways because the whole middle of the field is wide open state of the defense is so bad you got people defending Justin Broyles as the best player in the secondary merely because he's just been slightly below average and limited compared to everyone else like it's bad right now it's real bad And at this point, we're just kind of grab bagging things that annoy us about the defense. And one of the things that's annoyed me about this, this, this scheme they run a lot, you see it a lot in the secondary. You see it from the linebackers a lot. When they are playing zone defense, let's say they're playing cover three, you see a lot in that Broyles play at the very, we were just talking about it. It sure seemed to me like Broyles thought he was playing, uh, playing cover two and he was the deep half safety, which is weird because he's a nickel. I don't know why he'd be in that spot, but okay. It certainly seemed like that's he was going back to get to. My point being, though, is that so many times, like Oklahoma's trying not to give away the coverage. Like they're trying to hide it. And then at the snap, a lot of the times, they're just, whether it's a linebacker sprinting towards like kind of the deep flats, or whether it's a defensive back bailing to get to the back or sprinting and turning their hips to get to a certain spot and zone. That bothers me a lot because a lot of the times they're just running to space where there's nobody occupying and nobody's going there. So they're just taking themselves out of the play. Like Justin Broyles took himself out of the play on that last play. I guess maybe he was supposed to do that. He was supposed to have that zone. And he was like, oh, I, I got to get to that spot. I got to get to that spot. And that took himself out of the play. I don't know. Like, or maybe know that you have that deep, deep half. You're play, if, you're, if you are playing a zone concept, know that you have a receiver out to your left that a corner is on, and you also have a receiver there in the slot up the seam, and do your best because you have that half of the field to then sink into that cover two, but also keep an eye on both guys. It is possible because your job will be, if one of those guys goes deep, to get them, to cover them. If you just turn your back and start bailing, that's what's going to happen. A receiver in the slot's going to just run a, a deep, post and be wide open but if you would have just kind of done your read steps and backpedaled and kept everything in front and had a neutral position maybe he would have been able to see that guy run that route and broke on the ball and again this is only if it was a cover two concept I don't know if it was maybe it was something else maybe he he got the bad call and it was supposed to be that's the thing man I this happens all the time and people are so wide open and I said it last podcast I'm not in that defensive room. I'm not getting the calls. I don't know what it is. I'm just basing it off of my educated guess 
And man, it's a mess right now. Like you can't even you can't even guess what Oklahoma is running a lot of the times because there's guys in random spots. They're not really particularly in the right zone if they are playing a zone. You're not sure if it's man. Looks like man on one side of the field, zone on the other, but it's not consistent. So a defense that's supposed to be simple and speed D and get to the ball, it, it is. It's simple to the offenses going against it. I mean, they're, they're having no problems scheming up stuff, and it's what I've been warning I, yeah, everybody I mean, about ever since the beginning of the season. And they're super, super married to this idea. It's all just about the execution. And no, nope, I mean, this, there, there can't be a problem with the scheme. That is, that is death in 2021 football, especially in the Big 12. I mean, that shouldn't matter against freaking Kansas. Shouldn't matter. That's what it always comes back to. It should, none of this stuff should ever happen against Kansas. Ever. Especially against that particular Kansas team. One of the worst ones they've had in a long time. Okay. We've done 40 minutes on the defense. Let's, let's talk about the offense because Caleb Williams, uh, I mean, he deserves all the praise yet again. Sure, he started slow. He kind of came back down to earth a little bit in that game. He made some poor decisions, didn't read some certain things, made some weird throws. Okay, kind of looked like a freshman for the first time. Whatever. We, we expect it. Didn't expect it against Kansas, to be honest with you, but whatever. But it doesn't matter because he makes up for it with electric, incredible, and dare I say, game-saving plays when they matter the most, Grant. And it's, it comes down to the two fourth down plays. I mean, the, the fourth down play, fourth and three, where he goes for 40 yards and a touchdown, where he, they had him stopped. He was stopped at the line of scrimmage. He had nowhere to go. There was two guys. There were two guys out leveraging him. Made a miss. He sidestepped him. Turned the Jets on, went for 40. No big deal. Okay. And then the play that everybody has been talking about since Saturday, as they should be, because it was one of the most ridiculous plays I've ever seen and anybody's ever seen. And I remember, so I'll, I'll just give you my perspective on the field, Grant watching through my camera lens and they give it off to Kennedy Brooks and I start to see oh he's getting stacked up and you can, you can hear the Kansas crowd start to I'm like oh my god in my head for I mean this all happened within a span of what three to four seconds if that but in my head I remember start thinking oh my god like Kansas is gonna get the football back right here they could lose this game because I don't know if this defense is stopping anybody and then all of a sudden I I'm filming and then you see Caleb Williams like just kind of grab and frantically and start running and I, I'm filming I'm pointing the camera at him and he I obviously see him go up the field for yardage and I'm filming 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 and I, I stop or whatever and I kind of look at the guys next to me and I say oh my god did he just take the ball from Kennedy Brooks and get the first down and everyone we were all just wide-eyed and like what just happened and then we went to oh wait oh is that legal can they and I wasn't even thinking is that legal and that was kind of the debate. So that's my perspective of it. Like hearing the I crowd that, I, get I thought super it was funny excited. That was, that's what the debate was on TV too. It instantly went to, it's like, oh, that's definitely gonna get overturned, right? And I was sitting there watching it and I was like, why? There's nothing about that that's illegal. Like, wh wh <laughs> why? How would it be? <laughs> it's like a handoff. I mean, for, see, that's what I was thinking too because not for one second did I think it was gonna be illegal because I didn't see any I didn't see the ball get pitched at Handoffs all. Handoffs are like, illegal. You can't do that. So here's the thing though, and Grant, I didn't look this up, but I didn't the replay review come in and say that it was a legal forward handoff because it was behind the line of scrimmage? 
So yeah, apparently, so if it you're was across, a, so it was a handoff. <laughs> yeah, but if you're across the line of scrimmage, though, you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be it have to be a lateral. But like, right, I guess right. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to. So yeah, and now I guess um, that was the question. But he was obviously behind no, the line my, of scrimmage. No, my, my my point was that it was funny that that was that that was kind of the first place everyone went to because everyone was in disbelief because it was the single most self aware savvy play I've ever seen made in a college football game. I, I I don't I mean it's and that like that's the funny thing like I there's been a lot of people saying it's going to go down in sooner lore and stuff like that and that's only going to happen if this season turns out to be a special one, um but that sure as hell was the most self aware play I've ever seen. In that situation, yeah. ever. Incredible. I mean, it, there's a reason why none of us has ever seen that. Is that I mean, I've never seen it happen. Like everyone I've talked to is like, no, I've never seen that happen. I mean, and you, you, you know, when I back, went back and rewatched it, and you, you know what's going to happen, but you see it happening, you're like, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, why wouldn't he do that? I mean, he's, he's seen Kennedy Brooks go down. And he's like, crap, I'll just take the ball. Thanks. And it's how many like, copycats there's going to be of that here coming yeah. up in the next like a lot and it's going to and it's going to produce a lot of like fumbles return for touchdowns too. Like that's going to be the funny yeah, like it's yeah. can you imagine if he would have housed that after taking it from <laughs> him? Yeah, I mean I guess kudos to the Kansas guys for making the tackle after that cuz I mean everyone thought the play was over. And I know uh, I I I guess if you're a Kansas fan you're thinking, "Oh, blow the whistle, the play's over, right? The play's dead." I no. They got a Kansas got a got a break on that exact same thing earlier in the game. I think that half where it was a they they ran a QB sneak and Bean was was stood straight up for more than a couple beats and then they let the offensive line push him forward and so it's just like yeah if they would have if they would have like called that like uh, forward progress stopped after they did that on that QB sneak I would have been I would have gone nuclear because it, and it was it wouldn't even been right in that situation his forward progress was not stopped yet. Like it was a, it would, it would have been a bad call if they would have called oh, yeah, it because there. yeah, it, the play was still happening. I mean, the, I mean, the tackle was completed after Caleb took the ball away and the guy, like the linebacker got up and was celebrating it. Cause the last thing he saw, he was making a tackle because his head was down and he was making a great play to get Kansas, the football back. And so it was such a bang, bang, quick thing. And if Caleb would have waited a beat longer, then maybe it would have been blown dead. But he, I mean, he jumped in. I mean, he jumped in right when he saw that. Okay, crap, this is not going to happen. We got to get this first down. And, and he made the play. And I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see if Lincoln Riley gets asked about it again uh, tomorrow on his weekly press conference because he didn't really get a good look at it. Uh, so his post game thoughts were just like, yeah, I mean, that was a, you know, it was a nice play. Like all the credit in the world to those guys. I mean, it was, it was a smart football play. But he wasn't like super like, kind of we are right now saying like oh my gosh what an incredible play and it kind of goes with the whole theme of Lincoln Riley's been just downplaying no, he's, Caleb Williams downplaying he's, he's Caleb so, Williams it's he's so very obviously downplaying Caleb Williams at every stage which whatever <laughs> it's fine that's just how it is um it's, it's, it's become a bit at this point. but hey it, like here's and here's here's kind of my bottom line there I mean if you really want to just kind of go down to brass tacks here oh you've got the best quarterback in college football and they have them. They have them for the next two and a half seasons. Figure out the defense. Freaking figure it out. Yeah, that's a pretty coherent. Uh, you quick cannot let way to put it. You just let Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray come through this program without getting a ring. You cannot let that happen again. Figure this crap out now. 
And like I told you, I told you after this game, and I, there's going to be a lot of people that scoff at this and and say crazy or whatever. But if there is no if there is no visible improvement from the defense by the end of the season, Alex Grinch does need to be fired. They cannot waste Caleb Williams. And so that's I mean we're we're going to turn the car back around to the defense here, and and I mean that's like the the taboo topic right after this game and the fact that this game happened is now got to the point where that's even a thing where holy crap like you and I going into this offseason talking about man I, it, it this is the year I mean Alex Grinch is going to get a bunch of head coaching like head coaching offers he can pick wherever he wants to go after the season this is the year where they got to win a national title because you might lose Alex Grinch somewhere else and now it's like oh my gosh you you just literally said hey if we don't see a turnaround that they could. They should be thinking about firing this guy, which is four straight. This is this is four straight games. This is four straight consecutive games now of defensive uh, performance that got the last guy fired. Um, they were awful think. against I mean, Kansas State. They were hideous against Kansas State. They were I hideous mean, for a majority of the time against Texas. Were okay, awful say, against TCU. I was going to say, yeah, the, the Texas one's kind of the asterisk, but the bigger sample size of the last four games, the second half of Texas looks like the outlier at this point, <laughs> a huge outlier. Um, just kind of like maybe it's it goes what you were saying, like all the emotions inside that stadium and everything like that actually was a big reason. I mean, the fans really may have pushed that defense over the top in that in just Caleb Williams. And because ever I mean, outside of that, it's been been bad man it's been i mean they have to be one of the worst defenses well, in college football right now kansas's tackles are better than texas's so i'm actually serious about that oh yeah their offensive line but they're still bad they're still bad <laughs> i mean aside from caleb williams i mean kennedy brooks he played well uh, oh actually that was gonna say this was i thought that was by far the worst that kennedy brooks has looked this year um, I was well, going to say for the well first time the, this season, Eric Gray, I thought, clearly looked better than Kennedy Brooks in that game. Okay, and that's a defensible take because, you know, I, I was telling somebody earlier today that Kennedy was he was getting brought down by the first guy a lot more than we've seen, and that sucks against Kansas. You don't want to see that. Uh, and Eric Gray, yeah, I, big kudos to Eric Gray on that drive that OU needed to, I believe, take the lead. And Kennedy Brooks was also on that, too. They had a, a screen pass to him. He picked up, like, almost 30 yards, a little RPO swing out to Eric Gray. And Eric Gray made the first guy miss, juked him, got up the sideline, almost scored a touchdown. So Eric Gray, yeah, he looked good. He, he's still – he's not getting anywhere near as many touches as Kennedy Brooks. But, yeah, he looked good. Receiver-wise, Mario Williams wasn't there. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood had his touchdown, and he had a big third down catch in the, in the first half. Ooh, which uh, was – which was another one of the Caleb Williams moments where you're just like, ah, oh, God, that guy's good. <laughs> good throw. But, hey, also, great uh, job by the offensive line. I mean, he had tons of time to throw. He had almost five seconds to throw that, and he had more if he, if he needed it. But, uh, you know, Marvin Mims mostly non-existent. And, I mean, Jeremiah Hall had the touchdown, but he also had that big fumble that Oklahoma was lucky to recover after halftime. Uh, Caleb missed uh, Trevon West on the first drive of the game, or the second oh, yes. drive of the game, I think. Yes, um, yes. Which was uh, not not great to see that. That sucked. Um, 
Also, I mean, also nice to see Trevon West with his long his long run, which he just he weirdly just ran out of all of the gas by like the twenty yard line. <laughs> there was like that like kind of when he got into the open field and he broke away, and I was just like, oh oh, he's gone. Like he's everyone's just in his dust, and then all of a sudden. No, I mean he just he just slowed down considerably, but it's I mean it's it's good to see that Trevon West is gonna is turn into a guy that they can throw the ball to and like kind of count on. That's that's kind of cool. That's a nice little surprise. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that play up because that was one of the one of the biggest plays of the game by far. That didn't have anything to do with Caleb Williams. And before that play was the one time in the game where I legitimately thought that Oklahoma could lose that football game, because. They were down two scores with a minute to go in the third quarter and at their own end of the field. And so and the last time they had scored to make it, you know, their first touchdown, it was a long drive. I mean, they held the ball for like five minutes, five, six minutes. So like there wasn't a whole lot of explosive plays. And so getting that massive explosive play and getting into the red zone immediately and then scoring two plays or yeah, two plays later and basically scoring in about a minute and ten. That was massive, and it was like, okay, here we go. And I remember I was shooting down on the field. I, I panned the camera over to Lincoln Riley after that touchdown to see his reaction, giving the guys high fives. And, of course, he was kind of stoic with his face, and he kind of looked back, and I kind of saw Alex Grinch. I don't know if he was looking at Grinch at all, but in my mind, and this is me just speculating. This is like me doing a fiction in my head. I was thinking, like, Lincoln Riley's definitely thinking right now, all right, Alex, I just did my job, just went down and scored in a minute. Here we go. Get a stop, please. Come on, man. Get a stop. And they did. They did, right? Yeah, they did get a stop. That's the first that was the first punt. They finally got a stop. They got they got they got uh I think they got two consecutive stops after the after they made it 17 to 14. Yep, they got they forced a punt and then they also got the turnover. The key Lawrence forced fumble, Justin Broyles recovery. It's just, but once they made it a two-possession game, Kansas had, like they had most of the game, had no problem going down, and, and instead of just running the ball a lot more, they were passing it all over them in that one drive, and they passed it and went down 75 yards in no time and, and made it a one-possession game again. So, yeah, what a surprise. Everything just comes back to the defense because, you know what? This is Oklahoma football. Of course the defense is bad, right? Everything, what's old is new again, Grant. The offense is pretty darn good and can score with, with the best of them, we think. But the defense can't stop anybody, and especially when they need – granted, they whenever they needed it, they got stops. They did get those back-to-back stops. But it's Kansas. They weren't playing Oklahoma State. They weren't playing Iowa State. Heck, they weren't playing Kansas State. <laughs> we're playing Kansas, Yeah, I mean, we're man. back to the – we're back to that, like – I, we're, we're back to that stage right where it's just like i mean kind of like that 2018 feeling where you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop like it's just like uh they can't i mean because i mean this is not sustainable and if i mean if, if if they're able to like sustain through this and and win out and win the big 12 i mean that'd be incredible i mean they would be they, they'd have so many horseshoes up your know what like you know what like i mean i would start to get worried about the next season because i was like oh god they're gonna have a ton of bad mojo like <laughs> like next year because just so much like they're, I think they should have two losses right now, with how they've been playing at least. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, and it, that's the thing. It's they're being rewarded with these wins, and remember back early in the year when they're they're fighting and clawing, and they're getting these wins, and you know, glass half full is all right. 
these experiences are going to help them down the line, you hope, because they're in these fights and they're getting out and they know what it's like to, to, to dig deep and get wins. Keeps happening. That's kind of just their identity then. And they're not really getting any better. And they've gotten a lot better on offense, but now all of a sudden the defense craters and they can't marry it together. And there really is not, there's not an easy fix. I'm sorry. Like, yes, getting guys healthy is a thing. But again, like I said at last podcast, don't, ex- don't expect Woody Washington back anytime soon. I don't expect it. If, if, I mean, if he comes back at some point this year, that's a bonus from my perspective. Just that's my opinion. DJ Graham, okay, I'm assuming he's going to be back next week. I, I'm going to guess that he was. that was a Kansas decision. We don't need him. Fine. Jalen Redmond, great. Get him back. I, it's just, but at this point, though, like, how much does one or two guys really matter? I know Delarian Turner Yell is a good player. But the problem right now is, yeah, the players aren't very good, which is a problem because they're blue chip recruits. And I thought that Oklahoma was finally getting their guys in the secondary. And the t- defensive line has lots of good talent. We know about it. We saw it last year and for stretches this year. So then what does that mean? And what I've been saying for now all season long and probably times last season, probably times in 2019, especially the Peach Bowl against LSU, this, I, I, I don't love this scheme. I don't love the speed D scheme. It's, uh, you have to have awesome players. You, got NFL, awesome, you have to have awesome NFL players. guys at every position. And maybe the recruits can come down the line, but I mean, we were all excited about Latrell McCutcheon. He has not improved the way Woody Washington did. I guess Woody Washington was in his second year, though, last season. How about DJ Graham? DJ Graham came on late in the year and was a pretty good player. Granted, he didn't play all the time. He kind of went in, went in and out with Trey Brown and Woody and Jaden Davis. But I mean, why is Jaden Davis? Uh, granted, Jaden Davis was fine against Kansas. They didn't pick on him. They didn't go to him. They just went to Billy Bowman. Latrell McCutcheon and Joshua Eaton. They didn't need to go towards Jaden Davis. <laughs> maybe, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe getting DT, maybe getting Graham back. I mean, that'll help with with Bowman going back to Nickelback because, you know, but I mean, but Bowman at corner has been he's been really bad there. I mean, he's been he's been terrible there. Which on it, like again, I I don't get it. I don't understand. There's just no possible way. It's it's that much harder than Nickelback. I it. There's in theory, it should. In theory, it it should it should be easier than nickel. Uh, you, you have less responsibility, less space to work with. I I don't get it, man. I'm just like, I'm at a loss for words. I just hope, whatever. I hope Caleb Williams just says screw it, and they just score literally on on every possession the rest of the season. Uh, okay. Which you well. know, not uh, not a very smart thing to hang your hat on. <laughs> man, what have we done to deserve this? I mean. There's so many college football fan bases that would kill to be in our shoes that that follow Oklahoma. You know, obviously, I, I think it's great that I get to cover the team as part of my job. And also, I went to this school. You know, it's something that I care a lot about. And you know, I'm very outward about that. And obviously, you, you're the same way. You don't, you don't cover the team the way I do. But point being, there's a lot of people that would love to be in our shoes. A lot of people that, that, that you know that you know went to Minnesota and are fans of the Gophers. They'd love to be super mad about the defense being horrible but being also being eight and zero and still in the national title hunt with the best quarterback in the nation yet here we are and it's it's been so normalized right it's just like we thought things were changing and getting and going to be different this year boy <laughs> imagine 
imagine one of our podcasts before the season, let's say early August, fall camp had started, and there was a couple of nuggets that somehow from the future we, we got about, oh, Caleb Williams is actually going to be playing quarterback for Oklahoma at some point this year. That'd be one of those things where we'd be like, oh, wow, what happened? Did Spencer Rattler get hurt? But also, it wasn't, out, it wasn't insane because we talked about it a little bit before the season. There isn't there is a, a a reality in which this guy we've heard about being pretty good in practice that he could be a guy that gets a, gets playing time this season. But what if they would have told like somebody would have got a nugget? Hey, uh, at some point of this year, defensively, you're gonna be thinking back to 2017 and 2018, and without any sort of thing to fix it. Can you imagine what our faces would have been like in August 10th if someone would have told us that? I'm like, no, you're wrong. Like that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Zero sense. Here we are. I mean, my my, I mean, yeah, my mind. If that were the case, honestly, I would have been like, okay. I mean, they just got absolutely decimated by injuries. Then is what I would right. have thought. Yeah. Which they have been. They have been decimated by injuries, like big time. They're probably about as injured as any team in the country. Um, I mean, which which brings up another which brings up another point to me. They're always injured. Always, 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 always. They've they've never gotten through a season where they don't have a bunch of extremely significant injuries. That's been the case since 2000. That's why, like, the part of me where it's just like, if there if there are college football gods, it makes me start to wonder: Did they trade all of the good fortune in that department for that national title in 2000? I mean, that's funny and interesting. I I don't think they're as injured as you think they are. I I, I bet there's plenty of teams that also have injuries as well. I mean, think about the super important positions. Okay, yes, Woody Washington. That's that's more important than we thought. Woody Washington and Jalen Redmond being hurt is a really big deal. The thing is, though, Jalen um, Redmond being hurt should not be that big of a deal considering what they have healthy on the defensive line. They have plenty of guys. Yeah, I know, but they were. But Jalen Redmond was was straight up dominating when he was in there. And when you have an when you have when you have an interior defensive lineman who is dominating and not just like plugging gaps, but rushing the passer as well. That's really difficult for teams sure, to deal sure, with. Sure, Grant, but like, that's, what, I don't, that's what Perion Winfrey's also supposed to be, and Josh Ellison flashed that. Jalen Redmond's but, better than Perion Winfrey. Okay. Like, significantly. That's my point, though, is going into the season, these are the missing one guy in the defensive line, That's not that shouldn't be an issue. They have all these players that we think and thought were pretty darn good. And the fact that one guy maybe is that big of a deal is a huge problem because why – why can't Perion Winfrey? Why can't Isaiah Thomas? Why can't Josh Ellison, Corey Roberson, Jordan Kelly? Why can't Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas finish more? Why can't these guys pick up the slack? Because that's plenty of bodies to be able to pick up the slack. So I, I really don't think the injuries are that are really much of an excuse. They, they at least they shouldn't be on the defensive line. They're not against Kansas. Well, yeah, absolutely. And at linebacker, with the exception of Stutzman missing that time. Stutzman missed time, but it was before Stutzman was really playing a whole lot. So it's not like we really knew what we were missing with him. And he's back now. I'm sure he's not at 100%. Nobody is at this point in the year. But the linebackers have been healthy. And, like, yeah, man. But, I mean, I just as a team, they are extremely injured. Like, Mario Williams is out. Theo Weiss has been out the entire season. Eric Swenson has been super banged up the entire year. Tyrese Robinson hurt his ankle against Texas. Um, Jeremiah Cradell, who yeah. knows what's going on with him. I can only assume at this point he's got he's got concussion issues. I, it it kind of always feels like that's the case in situations like this. I don't that's even total know what, speculation I don't even know on my part. The last time he played or why he's hurt, I think 
if, if he's injured, I think it might have been a practice thing. I don't even remember him. Like DT, DTY is hurt. Uh, DJ Graham out now. I mean, they've been they've been absurdly injured, like more so than any season I can remember. I guess I just I just don't I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm blanking here, or I it just doesn't it doesn't seem like it. You're right at at Alabama at Georgia it wouldn't matter, and I that's what they're chasing. That's what they want to be. Um, but I mean, it doesn't change the fact that they're super injured. I mean, that's just I guess that's just maybe that's why. Maybe that's subconsciously why I'm I'm downplaying it because of all the stuff we heard in the offseason about all this incredible depth they have. They're supposed to be able to weather injuries. And I, I get that starters are, are better than backup guys, but, heck, they rotate all the time. So you're telling me that a lot of these guys you rotate are just as good as your starters then some of the time. And so that's kind of like what I was conditioned to think about this team. And I got to remember to remind myself after this season, going into next year, don't listen to anything any of these people tell us in the offseason. Zero things, <laughs> at least publicly. If you hear stuff behind the scenes and stuff, maybe you can buy into that stuff a little bit more. But the public stuff, I got to remind myself, you got to remind me, Grant, don't buy any of it. Don't buy a single thing because the track record of that is not looking great. I think it's a pretty good I, – I, I do think it's, it's, a, it's a pretty wise rule of thumb – to dismiss everything the coaching staff says, <laughs> just generally speaking. Okay, I think I've ran out of steam. I uh, There's probably stuff we're missing. I'm trying to think, trying to rack my brain. Hey, you know what? You know what would, would completely, completely make everyone forget about this game? Is if OU comes out and beats Texas Tech 56-14. Uh, to 14. Everyone would forget about it. I agree. I agree. They're not going to do that, though. They're not going to do that because... Texas Tech just fired their head coach, which oh, I called that, by the way, right when Matt Wells got hired <laughs> three three years ago. Um, I Sonny Cumbie is going to come out. They're going to throw it seventy times. It's just it's just going to be he is just going to pick on everything. Yep. I, I'm I'm kind of terrified for this game against Texas Tech. They're going to come out with nothing to lose. Their hair on fire. And they and they know that they're going up against a defense that there's going to be a lot of easy yards there. Yeah, and they're they're a wounded duck. They're going up like they're playing a top four team in the nation. Yet Texas Tech's going to watch that tape and be like, "Holy crap! Like this team is down. Kansas almost just beat them. This is our time. This is our time to come in and pull a huge upset." And I can already see the narratives forming too. I can already see, "Oh, Texas Tech. They just fired their coach. You can't really expect them to get up for this game." And like I can already say the national media already spinning that narrative when it's always the exact opposite. They always play better after a coach is fired. Like always. Like I mean it's it's yeah, they I mean it's it's I'm glad they're at home. Yeah. I'm glad they're at home. Yeah. But also, I mean it's 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 OU's home crowd, so they're it's crazy, man. Just totally one hundred percent how just how quickly it is. They're one hundred percent reliant on Caleb Williams. <laughs> it's you're right. I mean, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Boy. Uh, a couple stats I saw during the broadcast when I rewatched it that I just thought were like, okay, then this makes sense. So, I mean, this one's not that big of a deal, I guess. But, I mean, Kansas has not won a Big 12 game since October of 2019, which I guess that's not that surprising. But uh, the one that was like, okay, this is so dumb. It was Kansas's first lead against a top 25 team. Not like a, t- not a top not a top five team, 
not a top three team, first lead against a top 25 team since 2014. They hadn't led a top 25 team in seven years. <laughs> Wait, actually, you know what? That's not that's not true. They scored first against OU two years ago in 2019. Unless OU was unranked, but I'm sure they were ranked at that time. Why wouldn't they have been? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They, they might also, have missed that one. Oh, yeah, this is when you weren't super paying attention, but OU also got down 13 to nothing to Kansas and Lawrence in 2000. Yeah, that was on the stat. That was the Trevor Knight Sugar oh, Bowl season. But, like, that also... But, like, while watching that game, that was clearly an outlier because the defense had been really good that season up to that point, and everyone was just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. So this is an outlier in a different way, but actually not really an outlier. Now we think think about it. Yeah. No, this is more of just a confirmation of what we've already seen, of what we've just seen the last couple games. That it's just that it's very easy to scheme stuff up against them, very easy to get open receivers over the middle of the field. Um. Yeah, I mean, you're. I mean, you're so far. It's eight games now. That's who they are. It's who they are. You just gotta. You just gotta. You have to. One, you have to hope that them getting healthy gives them more of a spark. And like I said on the last podcast, you gotta hope the defensive line gets hot. I, that's. I mean, that's their only hope at this point in time because they're not gonna be able to cover. Their secondary sucks. They're gonna give up a lot of passing yards the rest of the year, regardless of who they play. Because yeah, when the secondary is playing this poorly, there's no interception opportunities they can't get takeaways they get fumbles all of a sudden randomly like fumble luck has actually been good for Oklahoma and whenever I mean they're undefeated but whenever you're getting this kind of fumble luck and getting fumbles and the defense is still this bad ugh, come on man it's not supposed to be a thing okay I think uh that's about it we'll have a a Texas Tech podcast preview Texas Tech podcast here in the next couple of days apologize for the late release but I think you probably got us in a moment. I, I definitely had a lot more thoughts. Let's see. I'd, I'd say more cogent thoughts about the game, X's and O's wise, after watching the tape back, as opposed to if we would have done this Sunday morning without watching it. And, and you know, seeing that first quarter and seeing how they couldn't adjust to it and how Kansas was able to get so many easy yards is, yeah, like you said, it's not going to go. It's a confirmation of what we've all been seeing this season. And it just it took – it's a combination of this is year three of Grinch's scheme. There's tons of tape out on it. And also smart coaches, not even smart coaches, just coaches that know football and have watched football before and are employed at the college level that are in charge of offense are scheming up <laughs> ways to get open players. And Oklahoma can't really do anything about it. They really can't. It's It sucks. Like, I think... And I'm sorry, this just came up to me now. It's just bothering me. I was thinking again of that third and five where you got Billy Bowman just bailing 10 yards down the field just for Lassiter to just stop and pick up the easy first down. It's just like, do they do they not scout themselves? Do they not watch other teams seeing that they've done that all year to them? Like, and does it ever, does it not cross his mind? I mean, we should probably like cover two there because at least Bowman will be there like in the flat. Make it a little bit of a harder throw. Here, here's my Did that ever occur to him. Here's my notes on that play. I'll just since you brought it up again. So Kansas, they send a motion man. They motion their slot guy. It's Lassiter, who he was basically the only guy that threw it to, with the exception of a couple of guys. This this one other guy that got a couple of targets. So they motion Lassiter across the formation to create a two by two set. Billy Bowman sees the motion and then widens out to go along to play Lassiter. 
playing five yards off the ball at at the sticks. At the sticks. It's third and five. Lasseter then runs a simple four-yard curl route. It's a timing route. And Bean hits him easily for a first down. And on that play, you've mentioned a couple times in the podcast, Bowman's immediate read steps were to turn his hips and bail like the guy was going to run a go route. If Bowman here was supposed to be playing cover three, which is that deep third, like he was bailing towards, then I would understand him doing that. But I don't think this was cover three because on the same side of the field, Pat Fields is looking like he's playing about a, like a quarters or a man concept, which me, leads me to believe that Billy Bowman's job was also to play man or a quarters concept. And also just based on what I've seen from Oklahoma throughout the entire season, this is what Oklahoma does. This is what they do. They bail a lot and they, they have guys that I, I don't know. But like we've seen Oklahoma do this all the time. And Kansas knows that. And to me, this is like another example of we talked about last week and what I asked Alex Grinch about pre-snap motion, setting up a player to get an easy first down against Oklahoma secondary, who is young, who is playing out of position, only a second game playing at corner in his career, and clearly does not have a good feel at all for what he's supposed to be doing out there. And oh, by the way, my last point was that this is Kansas for the 100,000th time on this podcast. This was Kansas. He had no feel. All right, Grant, let's get out of here. Uh, hopefully this was a therapeutic podcast for some of you out there. Crap, uh, three-word reviews. Uh, sorry, I didn't even think about that a couple days later. I'll try to remember to get to those next podcast, guys. We'll get to your three-word reviews because uh, I know we got a decent amount of them. I know a lot of you want to blow off some steam after that ridiculous game. Uh, any final thoughts, Grant? No. Okay. Boomer sooner, I guess. Eight no, but... Certainly does not feel like it. We'll be back later this week to talk Texas Tech and anything else that arises. For Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.